<clears throat> what's going on everybody uh back at it again with another state out podcast uh the regulars today danny eric along with uh angel garcia and Devin riley as a guest uh it's a pleasure having you my man it's been a while um me and Devin never really been like super close but i mean we've been cool played football together went to high school together and that's pretty much our relationship we've never really been like Oh, what's up, bro? Let's fucking dap it up and give it yeah. a hug, you know? Like, yeah. It's just, I see you. I say what's up. You say what's up. No, yeah. We, you were a year younger or a year behind in uh, two years. In, or two years in high school. Yeah, damn. Yeah, you carried years. yourself well. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I always thought you were older. Um, yeah, no, we, just to give you guys a little background, uh, we played football together. Um, obviously, he was a couple years behind, but I never, obviously, that just as I said, I never looked at him that way. Everybody on the team's not part of the team. So, yeah, every time we see him around campus, it's cordial. Never really hung out too much, too much. But uh, now we got similar interests, so here we are. Yeah. And in terms of me and Devin, um, I didn't really know him. Um, in terms of high school, I heard about him through football and whatnot. But outside of high school, I um, knew that he was a realtor. So um, I reached out, texted him. We met up talked about real estate and stuff like that. So that's pretty much how we got to know each other. Hold on, bro. Are you a realtor or are you a real estate? Yeah, one in the same. The only difference is you're technically a real estate salesperson until you join a board of realtors. But you have to join a board of realtors to actually sell and buy real estate or help people buy, sell, or invest. I, I was just wondering. I've been thinking about that all week. Yeah. Like, is there a difference? <laughs> yeah. And- are you a realtor or real estate? Yeah, they're they're typically synonymous. They're one in the same, but um, yeah, the only distinguishing factor there is whether or not you've actually joined a board. Because you can get your real estate license and just use it to go on the MLS and stuff like that. Um, but to actually, what is that, by the way, the MLS yeah. is a multiple listing service. So anyone that has any agent that has a house to sell, it's going to be listed on there, and uh, it's usually by state. So I can see any house in California. Anything from multi or single family residence to multifamily or investment properties as well. That's good. That's good. What got you into that field? You guys want the the full story or bullet points? The full story. The full story. So, yeah, we'll start way back. So right after high school, um, some of you guys may know this, but I did have a football scholarship to go to NAU but it was partial. It wasn't a full ride or anything like that. And uh, so it covered everything except for my dorms. And I was going to practice and everything like that. And I realized, I realized that it wasn't gonna cover it. And my only options were to either not play football and have to pay for everything myself. Um, and I'd have to get, that would mean I'd have to get a job. But if I did that, I still wouldn't make enough money to actually go to college. I would have to be working full time and maybe do partial schedule at college. So I was like, do I stay in Arizona and work full time and take some classes to be able to afford this? Um, or do I just go back home and figure it out? So I had some family issues, which is I decided to take a try to take a loan out to actually be able to continue going to college. And when I when they were running my credit and everything, I realized that my mom had actually opened up a couple of credit cards in my name using my social and ran them up and I was thousands of dollars in debt at 18. And so there went my college. I was I was like, okay, well, it's time to figure this stuff out. So I disputed it and just kept working. So I was working at 
Panda Express and uh, Volkswagen transmission shop called the Right Gearbox. And once we were figuring everything out with the credit, I was like diving more into like, what does it take to build my credit? And how are the, how do people get like the best possible credit score and stuff like that? And in conjunction with working these 13, 14 hour days at my two jobs, I was like, my life sucks. There's got to be more to it than this. Like, I don't enjoy this at all. And I started thinking about like, how, how are people like oh, working from the beach or these like digital nomads and stuff like that. And I and actually talked to my grandma who was in real estate and it kind of opened my eyes. Like she got her license, but never really did anything with it. But in starting to look for that, I found the bigger pockets real estate podcast. And that's what really turned me on to real estate. And so that's, every day I was listening to these podcasts for a minimum of like eight hours a day. Cause uh, my first shift, I was working in the shop and we were allowed to have headphones on cause it was super loud. So Brandon Turner was explaining his story and how he got started. This average Joe just kind of crowdfunded his first deal. And then that first deal took off and really made me realize that even though I have nothing to my name, thousands of dollars in debt, like I could probably turn this around. I could, <laughs> I could, I could make this work. And so I started studying to get my real estate license. And then um, I wanted to get my, my real estate salesperson's license because I figured that would be the best way for me to get hands-on experience in real estate, start learning about houses, what people should be paying for it, different lending terms, and just like everything as a whole. And I ended up getting my license a little while after that. I was lagging it a little bit. Um, I was doing online classes and just, like I said, trying to get out of that debt and everything. Because if I would have disputed the debt, it would have put my mom in a lot of trouble and she was already going through a lot of stuff and we kind of hashed it out. And ultimately I found out that she was using those credit cards to actually trying to help build my credit. Now that's 50, 50. I don't know if she was telling the truth on that or if she's lying, but at the end of the day, we were okay now. And so even though I took my time to get my license, I ended up finally getting licensed during COVID. My test was postponed twice. And then uh, I finally got in there, I passed it. And then within a month of getting my license, I closed my first deal, which was actually my my dad's ex-girlfriend. She, she was, she was trying to buy a house. And I was like, hey, I was like, nobody, you know, I won't screw you. Let's let's figure this out. And when I tell you it was real estate by fire hose, I am not lying. I to be honest with you, I probably shouldn't have done that deal. I didn't know what I was doing. I freshly licensed yeah. that those classes you're using maybe 25 percent of it to actually do a deal. Yeah. And so. I had to learn all this stuff and I was working with Kim Olivo at Keller Williams Corona and huge shout out to her. She was helping me out so much through that whole process. I'm sure she should let you guys know too, that I was probably pretty annoying with how many times <laughs> I was calling her every night. <laughs> like, you know, I, I've looked at this offer a million times, but what do you think? She's like, Devin, we just went over it. It's fine. Just send it in. <laughs> but um, I felt really good about that. And I just, it really opened my eyes. I, just got out of a really, really bad relationship. She was living with me and I was paying for everything. And just really, as soon as I closed that deal, I was out of that relationship. It opened my eyes that like, you know, I can do this. This is something that's attainable and it's like within grasp. And the, the mindset shift I had to have to be going from brand new agent to consistently closing is I had to realize that you have two jobs as a realtor. You have your normal duties as a real estate agent and then you have lead generation. So if you're not bringing in leads, you're not making any money. So it, that's why if you guys ever see me out, like out at the club or anything like that, I'm still talking to people about real estate. Like, <laughs> like, I was, like 
Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to anybody. This one time we were at a club, and I, I always tell the story because it was like felt really good to yeah. me. <laughs> I just closed my second deal, and I was like, just wanted to talk, tell anybody about it. I was yeah. like, you know, I just closed my deal, this and that. Like, and so we were at the club, and the line was really, really long. I was like, you know, I got the money. I was like, and we're out in this restaurant. I can use as a tax write-off as a client dinner. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna walk to the front. And I walked to the front, and I was like, hey, I was like, put all your beers on my tab. Just order this for me as well. And so I paid for everybody's drinks. And then he when I was like, I was like, I'll be over here if you don't mind just bringing it over to me. He's like, yeah, for sure. He came over, ends up being a dude from uh, him and all his, his friends were from Australia. They wanted to buy, they were moving out here. They wanted to buy a house. And that was how I met my third client. And I was like, always be closing ABC, baby. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, that's still like, I'm missing some stuff here and there. There's a lot of struggles. Um, my in showing my first showings for that first deal i was driving a beater i paid cash for this car and it just was not it did not it, i it, it got me to a and b and that was about it but my the second showing i ever did i remember i was pulling up to the driveway and my car dies as it's going into the driveway and i had to wait till the show i had to wait till they left to go to the next house to even try and get my car started because that was i was so embarrassed i was like i don't even want to try and start it in front of them but now looking back it's like you you kind of have to go through those struggles to really enjoy it like I, I closed the deal recently and I didn't have that same excitement and my girlfriend and I were talking about it. She's like, do you, you still don't get excited like you used to? And I'm like, yeah, cause it's, you know, there's so many people ahead of me and this and that, but I kind of have to stay grounded and know that like what I'm doing right now is setting and building the foundation to a better future, a future that I, what I like to say is a future worth living. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's about how I got started and some of the little struggles here and there, but yeah. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it, and it's kind of become my whole life as well as part of my personality. Anybody I talk to knows that I'm a real estate agent. Yeah. At uh, I do work uh, nights at, at a warehouse as well, just to make sure that I have consistent income should anything go wrong. And I just started working there, and everybody there knows me as the real estate guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I talk about. That's cool. That's cool. That's fun, like, we appreciate you opening up about it too. But uh, again, I did forget to say that we are recording today hopefully for the first time so uh, everybody say hi to the Usually, camera the camera bust on us like halfway through yeah i'm actually gonna and, check it <laughs> okay and, like we're like dude we recorded this whole thing without no video so oh yeah, yeah so, i was yeah. a little i don't i don't want to say it but i was a little nervous on what you guys could tell <laughs> oh, you're good, bro. You're good. trying to cover it up it's like you gotta so, leave me alone man <laughs> no rules oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i got open house tomorrow yeah. man oh, yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of being a realtor? He's um, a real estate agent. It's one either and the same. You can say either or. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the hardest part, I, I think you can break it down into two separate things. One being the lead generation and two is just being on top of your game. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, people are going to pick up on it. And there is a level to it where if you have the confidence, you could just be bullshitting them and you're going to do just fine. But the other agent on the other end of the deal is going to know. Yeah. So at some point you're going to cause some issues there. So I'd say the biggest struggle for a brand new realtor is finding good training. If you go somewhere like Keller Williams does have really good training and I'm not bagging on them because I actually worked in their office as well as a, a director of first impressions. 
and I was helping train other agents. But the thing that I found that was lacking is they bigger companies like that. If you're not paying them to train you, if the camaraderie between the company feels like a glorified country club, everybody in there is like just talking about themselves, just wants you to hear how well they're doing and what they did to get there. But they're going to help you enough to get to maybe where they're at, but not surpass them. And so I'd say the biggest struggle is finding somebody that you can mentor or mentor under or shadow, just watch how they operate. Even if it means opening doors for them for the next six months while you work another job, just to see how they operate. Um, I'd say that's, that's the number one struggle is making sure you find somebody that's going to be able to really show you the ropes. Um, and then as far as lead generation goes, if you're not consistent, you're not making money. If, if you got to keep in mind that let's say I start talking to you today and you want to you want to buy a house realistically we got to get you pre-approved we got to start looking at those houses and unless you are completely ready willing and able right now it's going to be a couple months before i make any money on that so if i'm not consistently trying to bring in more leads it's going to be months before i make that next sale so i'd say just i know that's another struggle is you got to stay consistent with it because I know I, I'm not very good at social media. I've never been, I, you guys probably saw my social media in high school. I never posted I, and I still don't. And it's a really p big pitfall of mine, but I've just been like, I like to network in person. I'll mm -hmm. go out to bars or meetups or, or whatever it is and just talk to people. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's my way of doing it. And, but I could be doing even more if I was posting on social media every single day and just, like I said, being consistent with it. So what holds you back from posting on social media every day? I think it's just one, I think about it too much. I'm definitely a, an overthinker. Like I'll, I'll be typing out a caption for like an hour. <laughs> delete, retype it, delete, retype it. I get stuck in what they call analysis paralysis. I'm just like, I cannot move away from like, is this perfect? Are they going to like it? Yeah. Well, I get phone calls off of this and I just, I have like so many posts in my drafts that I just never, <laughs> I never even posted. Yeah. Um, but the other, I think the other thing from it is I'm, I am in person. I'm an open book. I, you guys can ask me anything and I'm going to tell you because I like people to judge me for who I really am rather than the front that I'm trying to put on. If you don't like me, you don't like me. It is what it is. Yeah. But if you do like me, then I know that connection is real and we're really going to get along. Yeah. So social media, I feel like there's a level of I'm posting this to get your attention and I want you to give me a call and it doesn't feel real to me. I'd rather be posting my own personal stuff. Like if you guys look at my social media, it's a little bit of a blend. Like yeah, I have, well. yeah, I have some of my personal stuff, some of my real estate stuff. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the people that do comment and talk to me from there are real. Like those are connections that may give me a referral later on because I did a good job for them or reach out to me like, Oh, my friend, uh, my friend's looking to buy and I know you're in real estate and this and that. Yeah. But just as you said, like I should be more consistent with it. And the thing holding me back is I just get stuck in analysis paralysis. And that's a shitty excuse, especially if I'm saying <laughs> it out loud. But I just, I don't know. I've, I've just never been very big on it. I should be doing better with it, though. Nothing wrong with it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all struggle with it because yeah, for whatever reason, we yeah. care about what everybody thinks. Yeah. It is what it is. I hope you get over that curve, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Because, like you said, it'll probably bring in some more phone calls. Mm -hmm. one, one thing that I, I do enjoy making is TikToks. I oh, really? didn't think I would, but doing real estate TikToks, just like, oh, you, tour the house. Do you dance or like? No, no, no. <laughs> I, think, I think I've actually seen a couple of your TikToks. Like yeah. You're, you're kind of touring the house a little bit. Yeah, just on like the price and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just like a little montage, quick yeah. points, stuff like that. 
my favorite one though is the first TikTok that Hunter and I ever did, um, which oh, I forgot to mention as well. Hunter Thompson, uh, it was a DB with me. They played football together, and we've known each other since middle school. And he's been my partner in real estate. Like if he can't make a showing, I'll go for him, and vice versa. Or like he has li- he's so we differ a little bit because he's sold a lot more on the listing side. So he's actually like if you have a house to sell, he'll help you sell it, and he's good at that. And I'm good with buyers. So what we've been doing is kind of like playing off of each other. If there's a listing that I think is going to take up way too much of my time and he has a buyer that he thinks is going to take up way too much of his time, this will trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's harder for you to list or um, buyers? Listing overall is easier because it, a lot of a lot of realtors just fire and forget. They're going to post it and let it run and then that's yeah. it. They're not going to like continuously go market to the neighborhood or anything like that. But with the way that Hunter and I do it is we get everything done up front. So just to give you guys an overview of a, of a sale on the listing, say you want to buy the house. If, as the buyer, you're going to want to get a property inspection done, termite inspection. You got to review all the seller's disclosures and all that stuff takes time. And it's usually uh, contingencies within a sale. So if you don't have a, um, if you don't have an inspection contingency or if you do have an inspection contingency, you have like seven days to get that property inspected and then find out like whether or not you still want to buy it. And you can back out within those seven days. But Hunter and I will go ahead and take care of all that stuff up front so that it leaves them almost no room to actually back out of the deal. So listings are a lot easier, but it's usually about client type. Like if I have a very high eye personality, I'll take it because as I am right now, I'm just talking your guys' ears off. <laughs> but if it's a very high D personality, Hunter tends to do better with that. The, the demanding there, like, I just want quick to the point, tell me, tell me the answer because I tend to talk too much about stuff. So that's usually when we trade is like based on the client type. Um, I do. I think I enjoy working with buyers more though, getting them into their their first house or just making it happen when they didn't think it could. Like the the last house I sold um, on the buy side was this elderly lady in Seal Beach. She didn't think she could buy a house. She had been Seal Beach is up north. Yeah. Okay. And she had been working with a. It's in Newport. Um, so she had been working with a realtor for the past seven years who was telling her to pull money out of her 401k and her retirement plans to then buy the house when she has all the cash. So she was like pulling out as much as she could every year to try and save up. But that's really, really bad because she's yeah, taking she, huge tax yeah, hits yeah, on it every time. So she's money. losing. She may pull out 20000 and lose 5000 Yeah, yeah. And she's doing that every year. And I told her, I was like, you don't have to do this. She dropped that realtor and I made it happen for her and never bought a house, had no kids, no family, but we got her set up on a, on a house overlooking the golf course for her and her little dog. And now she plays golf every day and just enjoys it. And and a couple months before that, she didn't think, yeah, (laughs) a couple months before that, she didn't think she could. And it was just, it felt really good. And then my, my dad's actually a general contractor too. So we kind of play off that a little bit. So she didn't like the house. But she had enough money towards where she could buy it cash and then remodel it. So I was like, oh, I know a great contractor as well. (laughs) But I still I still give them multiple options because as a realtor, I can give them options, but I can't choose for them. So if I'm ever pushing any like any type of service, like an inspector or termite inspector or anything like that, I can get in trouble if I'm like, oh, yeah, use this person. And like we can't use anybody else. I'll get in trouble for that. So. I always make sure that I give him more options, but my dad, my dad's pretty good at selling himself. So <laughs> usually I just, I'll just give him the card and let, let him handle it from there. That's cool. We're talking earlier and um, you're saying how you plan to get into the investing side mm-hmm. of real estate. 
How do you plan to go about that? Um, so are we talking just like overall plan to get into it or like plan overall? Plan overall. So the plan overall is to, if I can build my team on the real estate side of things and I'm closing mm -hmm. enough deals through the team to have that income to just start buying rental units, that's the plan. It's just buy turnkey rentals for now and then just take the cash flow off that. Once I hit, like I was telling you guys earlier about like 30 units at 500 cash flowing at $500 a door, I'm set right there. That's that's my nest egg. I'm going to go travel the world, become a substitute teacher. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think my my plan is if, so if I find deals that make sense before I really get the team up and running and consistent closing deals, what I'd like to do is start using the Burr strategy, which for those of you listening, that stands for buy, rehab, rent, and refinance. And you do it that way because if you have the cash and you build up that equity through the rehab of the property, when you do the cash out refi, you're going to get that same amount of money you put into the property back out of the property. So now you own a home that's building equity. There's renters in it, paying the mortgage and you're getting a little cash flow on top of that. And you still have that cash, you go buy another one. So then you just rinse and repeat that. So use that same, let's say I'm buying houses in Idaho, use the same $200,000 to buy 30 units and never really have to, and that's if all goes well, there's always stuff that's yeah. going to happen, but that's my overall plan. Um, now I do have a couple people that like my mentor, Jeff Pittman, um, he's one of the top realtors in California. He's, he flips houses as well. And that's piqued my interest re recently because with a flip, he's making his, his minimum that he ever makes on, on a flip is about 50,000 and he's doing one flip every three months which is which is really high level because he's that means he has a team to find the deals he has a team to like rehab the properties <clears throat> and then he usually just sells them himself which saves him money as well on the back end um but it made me realize that like if i'm making money as a real estate salesperson i can take that money put it into a flip maybe even have jeff or anyone else invest in that flip with me and then take that money to go buy a rental or start building up that capital to get into the rentals yeah. so i guess my my two major strategies is either flip until i have enough cash flow to start burr or just build the real estate team until i can just start buying straight burr properties but from there there's a there's a few different like routes you can start taking like brandon turner buys mobile home parks which i think is genius like why would you not the space rent now like if you were to go buy any mobile home in the Hoopa hills cascade which i think do you guys remember reggie from football yeah yeah, yeah. he lived so he lived in the Hoopa hills cascade the space rent on one of those mobile homes is right now because i have a listing in there is 1163 dollars a month so if you own the mobile home park and that's what you're collecting on each unit yeah. it's a lot of that's a lot of money. Yeah, some people they buy those homes and they rent them out like low-key mm -hmm. but with the rent all that i don't think it's worth it no it depends so most of your money on investment is going to be is going to be made on how you buy the property yeah so if, if that person bought those rentals with enough money down for or enough or cash and it makes sense to rent it out like that then yeah for sure go for it yeah. but if you're financing it and your mortgage is like let's say twelve hundred dollars on a mobile yeah. home and you're only renting it out for 1500 it's gonna be really hard because now that person still has yeah. to pay the space rent on it as well yeah. so i think it's all about location and in today's market i'd say you're better off trying to buy like crowdfunding and trying to buy in a luxury community because 
even in a downturn market, wealthy people still make money. And where do you think wealthy people are spending money? In wealthier neighborhoods, because that's where they want to be seen. That's where their, their status is. So even if it's not them buying investments in those neighborhoods, they're going to be buying houses to live in in those neighborhoods. Yeah. So if you find a piece of POS in, in those neighborhoods, um, and then you flip it through there, you might be able to sell it for a lot more because you're catering to those type of buyers. Yeah. So I think it's it just all depends on the strategy you take, and it doesn't really matter what market you're in. Is that pretty much the same thing as like a fixer-upper? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like a flip is basically like people call it fix and flip, fixer-upper, or POS. Yeah, POS. Is <laughs> Has anybody seen <laughs> to, to, to do a fixer-upper? Um, yeah, so we have... Uh, we have this guy on our team, his name's Hugo, and he does a lot of properties out, out towards like Banning, Beaumont area. Yeah. And I, my third house I ever sold was in Banning in a senior community out there. And I started advertising myself out there, which is a bad idea because that drive sucks. Yeah, it's not that bad, but the thing is, is that's the only way in. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So if you, it's worse. Yeah, so if, I'm, if I go out, if it's like a 45 minute drive during traffic during the day, go show houses and it's another 45 minutes to come back. And it's like in that same time, could I have shown more houses to somebody in Riverside or maybe yeah. another area? Probably. But, um, but yeah, to get back to your, to your question, I, uh, was advertising myself out there. I had a couple leads and they found these houses in Hemet for, I think one was like 185 and the other one was like 210. And he's like, I can offer 170 on these and put 50,000 into it. And then I'll give you the listing afterward if you represent me without charging me a commission on the buy side. And I was like, it's not bad. I was like, but how about this? If you buy the property, I won't charge you any commission at all, but I want my, what I would, would have made on my commission plus interest based on the equity that you created in the house after you flipped it. So oh, I like kind of squeezed myself into yeah. the deal there by like, yes, I sacrificed what would have been 12,000 overall, but made 15,000 on the back end because I just got a portion of it. And I didn't, all I had to do was paperwork. Properties out there are so easy. Like people just want to get rid of them. <laughs> They're like, oh, I have an offer, take it. Let's, let's, let's make this happen. Speaking <laughs> about location, where are people buying right now? I don't, anywhere they can, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the same thing. So like, do you have a general city or area that you like to buy from or sell from? Yeah. So I typically, I, so I started, my first house was in India, uh, in, uh, Riverside. And then I went to, I was thinking of Indio because the second or the, the fourth house I sold was in Indio. So I was getting leads in Banning and Beaumont. The guy started in Banning and wanted to go out to Indio. And I was like, my drive was already bad. Now I got to go way out here. Yeah. Um, but doing that drive to India was when I realized, like, yes, I'm I'm new, so I need to take as much as I can because I don't have the luxury of being like, no, I don't want to work with you. That's too far. Like, I need anything I can get. <laughs> so after I realized that, and I was like, you know, I have a few more deals that are in the works. Like, I can probably start focusing on a new area. I was very keen on trying to make more money and promoting myself in Orange County. So I got a job at Keller Williams Yorba Linda. And started working in the office out there. And there's a lot of people that would just call the office because they don't really know any realtors. They're like, oh, I just was wanted to find a realtor. And I'm like, well, you're in luck. And <laughs> just yeah. talk to him like that. So I started focusing on Orange County. That's that's like my bread and butter um, because $600,000 sale versus a million dollar sale. I'd rather go with a million dollars. They're both the same amount of work. So might as well go for yeah. the bigger price point. Um, 
it doesn't always equate to more money depending on the commissions and if you're on the buy side or the listing side but i think building a name out there for myself has been has been a better option like you said for having like a well being a realtor having like it's kind of like two jobs mm -hmm. how, how well do you think you balance yourself out between each um category for the that's a really good question and that's something that i i still struggle with because you you you're always elite you're always lead generating but if you want to be successful you have to balance it you have to figure out okay these days and these times i'm dedicating to lead generation and these days are my follow-ups from getting those leads and then these days i'm showing houses trying to get those offers written or doing inspections or whatever it needs to be and I think for a long time, I didn't balance it at all. It was just doing anything and everything when I could. It was just trying to make sure that I at least got it done. Mm -hmm. And now I've structured it like I told you guys, I work um, Sunday through Wednesday, two, or yeah, 2 p.m. to 12.30. So now it's more so like Monday through Wednesday are my lead generation and follow-up. So I get up in the morning and I just start making my phone calls. Anybody that I've come into contact with that has shown any interest in buying, selling, investing, or trading, I... I start working with them from there and just try to set those appointments so that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's, those are my like execution days. That's like my, my closer hats on. I'm trying to show them as many houses as I can that they actually want to buy. Cause there is a difference between just showing them houses and showing them houses that they're going to want. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was a, another eye opening moment was like, yes, these houses are four bedroom, three bath, but these people don't realize that that's not what they want. You have to show them a couple before they really like change their criteria. That the old adage is buyers are liars. They're going to tell you what they want, and then you show them a couple houses, and it's all going to change. Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, I think I balance it well now, but when I first got started, it was it was a whirlwind. I was just trying to do whatever I could whenever yeah. I could. <laughs> I didn't realize I've been talking about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, oh, you're every, game. every <laughs> like, what, what would you say would be, like, your everyday um, – Go like something that you have to do mm. before like getting getting to your regular day so for me it's been recently it's been making sure that i'm not neglecting my personal health and i know that sounds like something super basic like that's every true though right? very much true mm -hmm. i i for a long time i was just like as i was telling you guys working my ass off like those 12 13 14 hour days whatever i could to make enough money and then it was like, I can, I have that, I can work that hard. I know I can, I'll just apply that to real estate, but I'm killing myself. I'm barely, I was barely sleeping. And then I'd wake up all tired as hell and show up to these appointments, all sunken eyes and, and stuff like that. And I realized that I've got to put myself first. So to answer your question, the, the first thing that I need to take care of before I do anything else is, is some sort of self-care, whether that's like, I'm gonna get up, make breakfast, read, like it's usually a morning routine. But sometimes it changes if I have to go on appointments or something. But typically what I like to do is make sure that I'm waking up in the morning. And before I do anything, I drink a full glass of water. I go out there and make my breakfast while I'm listening to a podcast or just some music if I'm feeling a little down, whatever it is. And then I'll I'll get straight into like, even if it's a light workout, just like hitting some push-ups and pull-ups, like just getting my body ready for the day. Um, and then I'll hit, I have a, a little notebook and basically the night before i will have set a list of things to to like go over like these things need to be getting taken care of for my clients for this day or whatever it is and so that's usually my list and i'll go from there but typically it's always follow-up 
first. That's like, if I don't get anything else done because I have to go to work later in the day, it's follow up with as many people as I can. Because the, the company that I work with uh, is Your Home Sold Guaranteed Realty. And they actually do a lot of lead generation for me now. Because, and that's why I was able to save some time and, and still work part time to keep some income coming in just in case anything happens. And um, so I just have to wait for my phone. So what I'll do is after I make my breakfast and go through my little morning routine, I'll practice my scripts, which is just like I have, we have an ALMQ, which is what Zillow wants us to use. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, oh, hi, I'm Devin Riley with a Zillow Premier Agent specializing in Orange County. I see you're calling on 123 Banana Street, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We'll go into the whole thing. Um, because from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., I can get phone calls at any time. And if I don't answer that, it affects our whole team score, not just mm -hmm. mine. So I got to make sure that I'm on my shit. So if I'm not doing anything else, I'm following up with those Zillow leads or Realtor.com leads or Movado leads and just making sure that I'm prepped and ready because I could get a phone call at any moment. How, how accurate is um, Zillow? Because I heard like it's not like everything. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that you it's asked that because I, I get into this <laughs> debate with people on the phone all the time. Like there's one lady called me the other day. She's like, oh, property, the property is listed at 1.25. Uh, but this estimate says it's only it's only a million, so let's just offer them nine hundred thousand. I'm like, you're like three hundred thousand dollars off at this point. Like, I don't know where you got this one. She's like, well, this estimate and the market's going down, so that that makes sense. And I was like, yes, but this estimate only is only based off of the bedroom, bathroom, and square footage of the home. That's it. So you don't get any upgrades. You mm -hmm. don't get the neighborhood that it's in. You don't get. Um, like any amenities that are included with the home or solar or any of those things that yeah. can potentially add value to the house. And so, yeah, this estimate, this estimate recently it's been a little bit better because the market is in a little bit of a downtrend. So you see those price reductions and yeah. then it's right. But when you're originally looking at it, you're like, okay, like it's not market value for the homes 1.25, but Zillow is saying it's a million and that's definitely off like $250,000. I can understand if this estimate was like 40 to $50,000 yeah. off. I get it. But $200,000 yeah. definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that Zillow was not listing some houses mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. They actually got in trouble for that yeah, because that. they, it's a very fine line when you're a company like that is promoting selling houses and then you're buying houses yourself because you can control the prices. If you buy enough houses, let's say I bought all these houses in this neighborhood and then I sell all these houses for consecutively a little bit more on each one, I'm raising the, the, the worth of these homes in this area, but it's not real. There's the only reason that that's happening is because I'm making that happen in that neighborhood. It's not true market value of these homes. Yeah. So they actually got in trouble for it for like, like price fix. I forget what the actual terms were, but yeah. it's a, like it's like price fixing basically. Yeah. So they're not allowed to do it. Like Redfin will still do it, but Redfin gets away with it because the sellers will sell it either to a Redfin agent and the Redfin agent will sell it under that instead of the LLC or whatever it is themselves. Um, but Redfin agents, they're going to screw you, man. I would not. They're, they're going to charge you 6%. But which 6% really isn't all that bad. That's close to what I would charge. But the first offer you get, you have to either take it or they're going to, there's other fees that they're going to add on top of it if you don't take it. Because Redfin's all about like, oh, we sell your home the fastest for the least amount of money. Yeah, you do because you force your clients to take a certain amount of money for their, for their house, which is not right.
but got away from your question a little bit. Yeah, Zillow. <laughs> Zillow's a little. Yeah. Zillow's good for a good platform for finding houses, and it's really good for us as realtors for getting these leads. But they need to stop buying. They definitely need to stop buying houses. Stay in their own lane. <laughs> yeah, um, how do the interest rates affect someone trying to buy a home right now? That's another really good question. Um, so one thing that I like to say all the time is marry your marry your house date the rate because you can always refinance later but the thing is and i'll give you an example i had a client i won't say his name um but we were looking at houses in robolinda in march so march was a long time ago he had a seven to one arm which kept his his um his rate really really low and so he we i got him into a couple houses he didn't he backed out a couple times uh, which it is what it is. Um, that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Like if, because when the market was really hot, you might write an offer, or you might post the house and it's gone by Friday. Um, so when those houses were popping up, it's like, we got to write that offer soon. We'll just leave ourselves ways to back out. Should we not like it or anything pop up in the inspection, so on and so forth. Um, but to get back to the point, they kept putting it off. We'd find them a house. They'd like it enough to write an offer. We'd win the offer and then they'd want to back out. And this kept happening up until last month. And then he had to get a new pre-approval and his rate is, is like, it was in the sixes, but I think they dropped it down to like 5.75 and his monthly payment went up by close to a thousand dollars depending on that. And so how long ago was that? Uh, March. So from March till, till now it's jumped up yeah. considerably. And the fed just says that interest rates are going to keep going up and yeah, they just came out and said that. So, interest rates the higher the interest rate the more monthly payment and it also decreases the amount of house you can buy and in some cases it could decrease it by tens of thousands of dollars depending on what you're trying to buy so i say if you can afford it and the rates are still within your means right now buy now refinance it later or get creative with the financing do it i seven to one arm loans are situational it's not for everybody if you if you are okay with the interest rate changing after that seven years and you can handle that, go for it. Cause you're going to have to be paying less now, but initially, or at the end of the day, you just want to secure that, that rate where it is now. Cause you can, you can refinance it later. So if you find a house that you want, just buy it right now, but it is, it is really affecting the people that can buy. I've had people that were looking in Marino Valley that got completely priced out of the market. Their yeah. the interest rate went up so high that they couldn't even buy anything anymore. That was me too for a while. I remember I told you, like, trying to buy a house right now, and then mm -hmm. the rates just keep going up. And then I was like, I just can't no more. Yeah. Do that. If you want a house, buy it now. And there's there's ways that, like, we can all, like, if let's say we all, like, became super close and we all wanted to buy a house, we could make it happen. The The issue is just finding the money to make make that happen and as long as we can make the monthly payments on it and we split the equity or whatever it is like i say still try and do it like i have and you can assume loans too so not every loan is going to be assumable but as an example hunter is actually buying one of his client's house that he had listed for sale because they had checked the box on their va loan that says that they want to make this loan assumable so what does that mean so so essentially their interest rate was at like two point, I think it was like, it doesn't matter. It's like two point something. And so Hunter is in a position where he can buy a house right now, but he's like, I can't afford the monthly payments. I can afford everything else, the down payment, 
But as soon as those the interest goes up and I try to get my loan at 6%, I can't afford the payments anymore. If you assume a loan, you can keep their interest rate that they have. Oh, okay. So theirs was at 2 point something percent, which keeps his monthly payments really low. So what he's doing is, yes, he's assuming the loan, but he's giving them the cash that he would have given as a down payment. So, so it's like a foreclosure kind of, but he's doing a low key. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, kind of. That's a, that's a good way to explain it. So just to make it more simple, essentially, they have a rate that he wants, but they want $70,000 cash yeah. to walk away from it because that's what they would have made if they sold the house. So he's giving them $70,000 cash. They're giving them him the note or the, the rate. And that's that's how that works. So you you can make that happen though. Like so, if, if you guys came together and you guys were like, oh, let's let's buy houses, shoot podcasts, YouTube channel, whatever you guys wanted to do, you guys can make it happen. Just do your due diligence, find one that's going to make sense. And there's a lot of people that are scared right now. There's a lot of people that own houses. They're like, I need to sell before the market completely crashes so I can cash out and this and that. Those people, like as as shitty as it sounds. You're, I wouldn't say you're taking advantage of them, but you're making the best of a shitty situation because they want to sell it. They think the market's going to shit and they want to sell it anyways. If you can get it at a good price, you might as well buy it. Yeah. And so if you can like just, well, I like to say drive for dollars, just drive around a neighborhood that you like and you find a house that's overgrown, beat to shit, or I like to say tore it from the floor up, you just find out what the address is. You can send it to me. I can find the owner. We, I can write him a cash offer tomorrow won't be your guys's cash but at least it'll get us in the door yeah. and it'll show them like hey we're we can buy this house right now if you want to and then you can work out terms from there you could do seller financing there's all kinds of different ways you just yeah. got to get creative with it that's crazy yeah. <laughs> there's so much more to it than i really yeah. thought yeah there and i'm trying to keep it surface level too we can start talking about exit strategies talking about multifamily rates versus regular rates and there's all kinds of all kinds of goodies to get into. And you've been doing this for how long? Two years. Yeah, I just I just came up on my, my two year mark. I uh, sounds like you've grown a lot in within those two years. Mm-hmm. I I like to say that I'm I'm not happy with where I am, but I'm damn proud that I'm not who I used to be. Because I fucking to keep it real with you guys, I was smoking every day. Like I was I'm going to raves like doing whatever, like having good time, you guys know. <laughs> and I just was not taking care of myself. And then, and it was mostly because I was down in the dumps, like I'm thousands of dollars in debt, might as well go have fun. And I really took that mindset shift of like, man, this is attainable. There's people around me doing it every day and I can see them like being more and more successful. There was a guy at KW Corona that had started a couple months before I did and was just door knocking million dollar houses every day, which door knocking is still really good. People will say that it's not like it's a waste of time and this and that, but to gain experience and talking to people and negotiating and just building relationships, I think that's the best thing you can do. You have any note people are going to slam the door in your face and tell you like, fuck off or why'd you show up during my dinner and this and that, like it teaches you to deal with rejection, but also how to overcome it. And so I saw him doing that and he was in a very similar situation to me and that's why we got along because he had just gotten out of the military, but had for lack of better terms, fucked off his money and just didn't really have anything to do. And his VA benefits, like he's getting like a couple hundred bucks a month basically. So he's like, I need this to work. So he's in survival mode, just door knocking eight hours a day, making cold calls, doing whatever he can. And from the month 
that he got started to uh, my six months mark. I don't know what it would have been for him. He, he already had closed, like, I think it was $3.2 million total GCI, or uh, yeah, total closed volume. And then his total gross commission was like, I, th I think he had made like over 100000 and it was like six months in. And so I saw that and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going door knocking tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to make this happen, man. And I don't know. I just get excited about it because like, I don't know, we're, we're all so young. Like even these steps that you guys are taking today, like this may start off small, but you guys are building a foundation for something great. You guys might go through many iterations of one thing or different podcasts, different types of themes throughout your podcast or whatever it may be. But you guys are taking action and doing something today unlike a lot of people in our generation. Like, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of people I know from our high school that just, like, do nothing. They're yeah, it's very party, mm -hmm. smoke. And not going to lie, that was me. That's what I saw my friends doing. I was like, that looks like fun. I'm going to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that change, bro. It's always mm -hmm. that first step. Yeah. I, th I think going back to what got me started, I think the, the biggest thing that made me realize that I needed a change in my life was when I came back from Arizona – I was building a, an Acura Integra and just was so stupid with it. Like I racing everywhere. The night I bought it, I raced everybody that I saw <laughs> from the gas station to uh, back to Rupa Valley, which was like 10 miles. I'm just every stop sign, every green line. Like, he blinked. Let's go. <laughs> and I, I was That's cheaper than back then, so you know. Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. Burned through a whole tank and not care. <laughs> But I, I got pulled over um, going he, – he says I was going 125. I don't know my actual my, – my speedometer didn't work, so I don't know what time. <laughs> how fast I <laughs> so he, he pulls me over, and he's like, do you know how fast you're going? I was like, 65. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, get out of the car. I was like, ah. and He's like, do you know how fast you're going? And he's asked me again, and I was like, I don't know, maybe 85. My, my speedo doesn't work. And he's like, well, I'm going to add that to the ticket too. And he's like, I clocked you at 125. And my ignorant self was like, are you sure you didn't go that fast trying to catch up to me? Because he was, he was on a uh, on the motorcycle. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, you, you were hauling ass trying to get to me. Are you sure you weren't just going that fast? And he's like, he's like, put your hands behind your back. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, now it got real. Like, I was just trying to keep, the, keep a light mood. And then this got serious. They took my car. Luckily, I went to court. I didn't technically get arrested. I was being detained. But... I had to go to court to fight for my license. And that was when I like really opened my eyes because I'm like, now I don't have a car. Now I'm even more in debt because I have to pay off all these tickets. Cause I got I got reckless, I got reckless driving, endangering the people, um, over yeah, excess of hundred miles an hour, and then no registration. So I just had they threw the fucking book at me. And so when I was in court, I had to go to work right after. So I was in my, my panda outfit. And it's kind of a funny story because the judge comes in and he's like, it was a Friday. He's like, all right, I want to make this quick. He's like, I'm in a good mood. Like, we're going to we're gonna keep this light, everybody. Let's just move this through. And he's like cutting everybody's stuff in half, like their fines and like oh, or time, volunteer service, uh, stuff like that. The guy that goes up before me was on a street bike when he got in trouble. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't help anybody that tries to kill themselves or others. So your stuff's going to remain the same. Get out of my face. And I was like, oh, I have the same tickets. <laughs> no way, man. So I get up there, and I'm like, my panda outfit and everything. And he's like, Devin Riley, how are you doing today? And I was like, doing all right. How about yourself? <laughs> and so we kind of start talking about it. He's like, what were you doing that day? And I was like, 
I was running late to work, kind of gave him the whole spiel. And he's like, so what made you think you could go that fast? And I said, nothing but frustration, Your Honor. I wasn't thinking it was going too fast because I was already late for work, even though it wasn't my fault. And he's like, I don't want to hear any excuses. And I was like, okay, it was my fault. <laughs> so we were going through it. And he's like, why shouldn't I take your license? Because they want, they were, they're supposed to take my license and take me to jail if it's over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And he's like, why should I not take your license? And I said, because I fend for myself. I pay, pay all my own bills. I, have, I pay rent. I pay for my own food, gas, electricity, water, every aspect of my life I pay for. If you take my license, not only will I not be able to pay back these tickets, I will not be able to keep, keep a roof over my head. And he's, he's like, okay, well, do you have any proof? And I was like, well, I'm kind of in my gear. <laughs> I was like, I got to go to work right after this. He's like, but you said you had two jobs. He's like, well, what's your other one? And it was the right gearbox. And my, my manager at the right gearbox is also a family friend. And the judge wanted me to call him from my phone oh, on the spot. Yeah. On the oh, spot. Man. And I knew that I, I told Ricky, my boss that I wasn't going to make it to work that day because I had to go to court, but he's, he loved to fuck with me. So I call him and he's like, where the fuck are you? Why aren't you at work uh, <laughs> on the mic like in court? And the, uh, the judge asked the bailiff to take the phone to him, he takes the phone to him. And he's like, sir, this is da 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 da. And, and Ricky, I could hear Ricky a little bit, and they were just kind of talking for a little bit. And he's like, is he a good kid? He's like, yes, sir. He's, he, he does well. He holds his own. He's like, shows up, uh, he shows up on time for work and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, just because your boss helped you out, he's like, I'm not going to take your license, but you're going to remain full points on your record. He's like, I know you're going to have your license, but good luck getting insurance. And they just sent me on my way. My insurance from that day on was I had a, I had a Kia Optima at the time. And it was uh, it was finance, so I had to have full coverage and five hundred dollar deductible on it. My insurance at the time, I could only get insured at two places in California. One wanted a thousand dollars a month, and the other one wanted six eighty. So I was like, Whoa. do I sell the Kia and just go get liability? <laughs> like, yeah. So that, that's ultimately what I ended up doing is just selling the Kia, and I thought that was when I bought uh, my Galant, which is the one that broke down <laughs> in front of the house. <laughs> but I, I bought that one cash, and you still have it. No, no, you sold it. Yeah, I, that car was funny. I earned me the I earned the nickname Devontae's Galante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually uh, what Coach Mo used to call me. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was. I felt bad when he gave me the nickname because there was a, how the story goes is we were running drills and um, I was locking somebody up during seven on sevens and. He's like, he's like, man, you play like a brother. He's like, we don't have any brothers on the team. He's like, from here, from here on out, you're Devonte. And I was like, all right. But I felt bad because I turned around and one of the DBs was he was black, and I was just like, well, now I now I feel like I'm the scope. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, yeah, I it's because I'm mad. So I got a DUI in 2020, mm -hmm. no, 2021 actually, and then um, and I had no license for a whole year but then i got a ticket back in february but i had no plates no insurance <laughs> oh. well i had insurance was just not on me at the time. right yeah no They're license <laughs> yeah and then i was inside the car pulling too so then um i went to court and then the girl's like yeah proof for all this so then i showed her my insurance registration my license which i didn't have yet so then i paid for she took off the two for those so then i dropped from like a thousand bucks to 50 bucks 
like Brooklyn Yard. So then, um, so my license, I had to go back next month to court, but I was able to renew it in two weeks from that time. So then I got it, and then they took out that ticket, which is like 400 bucks. Oh, nice. So then I'm like, dude, thank God. So then I went back, so then I had to pay for the car for one only. So dude, that's nice. Yeah, I was like, Praise the Lord. But yeah, I feel your pain. This yeah. one girl, too, she was the first girl to go up to. She had like, I shit you not, like six tickets oh. for, for her car. He was modded out like crazy. <laughs> the tickets came out to like two grand. Oh, usually. Yeah. This yeah. young girl, too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. It's rough, man. There was uh, a client that I had, and he was selling his house because, in his words, it was his neighbors. But like once we dove into it, he was filing bankruptcy. And so I was like, if we sell the house, we can keep him from going into bankruptcy. But he was telling me his story and was just cracking me up because he was wealthy. And so he's just like, I would, I just park my car. If I get tickets, I'll just pay him. But then like, we we're talking about it and he, he didn't even have a license at this point because he had so many freaking tickets. <laughs> and I was, uh, so in your Belinda, it's very like, if you know enough people, it's tight knit. You'll, you'll always run into people that you know. And I was going, I was leaving the office one day, going to um, Trader Joe's just for lunch. And I would get an hour lunch. So I drove by to check on the listing, see how it was doing. And he's out front with the cops behind him. Oh, and I start talking and like, I start talking to him after the fact, got out of work, drove by and I was like, hey man, what happened? Like this and that. And he's like, oh, cops followed me to the house. He's like, they want me to stop, but I didn't feel like it. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, they took the car, but I'll just buy another one. I was like, Jeez. All right. Wow. I was like, I was like, I feel like you should be living like on the coast somewhere. With that kind of like, yeah. You're in your Belinda. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the point I want to get to. Like, you know, just write me the ticket. I'll pay it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your dream car? Oh man, McLaren 720s. Yeah. I that's part of my daily affirmations, man. My name's Devin Motherfucking Riley, and I will be driving this McLaren 720s every day, oh, every day. Yeah. 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 I. What are what are your affirmations? <laughs> so every morning, I do one and all. I just tell myself, I am blessed. I am growing mentally, physically, and spiritually. I'm wealthy. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I am financially free. So I tell myself that every single day. Right on. I practice my gratitude. So thank you for this house, um, my bed, my truck, my job, the paycheck. You know. Mm-hmm. Things like that, and then um, I meditate for like ten minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then I start my day. I love that, dude. That's yeah, dude. dude it, self-care. Yeah, it's the the gratitudes. Like, I know this is. I, I don't know if you guys are into that kind of stuff, like the mindset and just like the power of putting it out into the universe. I don't know if you guys are into yeah. all that, but I'm very big on that because I truly feel like that's what helped me. Like I was saying, like I was I was being stupid. I I already had a lot of debt. I was kind of just not in the best place in life. But once I had that mindset shift and started like being consistent with doing that kind of stuff, yeah. I uh, I remember going to work one day and like I'd always like make it a habit to like on my drive home, my drive to work. That's what I would do. So like my affirmations, my gratitudes. Um, and then like I'd always show up to work early, read a little bit and then like sit there and maybe not meditate, but just like Focused yeah. breathing, just, just like, like yeah. yeah, which I guess is still meditation, but yeah. <laughs> but um, I would drive to work and it became such an ingrained habit that like I would 
and this is gonna sound stupid too, but I'd force myself to smile to put myself in a better mood. It works too. It does, yeah. And it got to the point because I would always look out the window um, and and start saying it and then smile. And it got to the point where like randomly, if I look out the window and there's like a like just clouds or something, it would remind me to remind me of that, and I would just start smiling. Yeah. And I would just instantly be in a better mood and be happy. Yeah. And uh, I think that just setting those intentions every day is really going to bring that stuff to you. Because even if you're not thinking about it, but you're saying it out loud, you're, you're going to hear it and it's yeah. repetitive. You're going to feel more confident in being able to go after those types of things. Okay. And I, I think that, uh, it's played a, it's doing stuff like that has played a really big part in getting me to where I am today is just being grateful for what I do have, because there's a lot of people that I see that are like, just get into the business and start killing it and make way more money than I have. And I've been in it for two years, but I got to be grateful knowing that I'm taking those steps each and every day to become who I want to become. It's not going to happen overnight. And I also try to stay focused knowing that you don't want to look at your goals as a mountain to climb, but more as a staircase. You're just going to take it one day, one step at a time. If you keep doing that, eventually you're going to get there. You just got to keep moving forward. It's not all just the it's Exactly. Yeah. So is it competitive? Real estate? Real estate? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's very competitive. It was really, really competitive. Like a few months ago in the market that we were in, you'd submit an offer and like you'd be submitting an offer with 27 other people. And so if your offer really didn't stand out, it'd be really hard to win that deal. If you're on the listing side of things, you're making a fucking kill and it didn't matter. <laughs> you just post it and it's gone. Um, but I'd say, but the, the crazy part about it is two things. There's I'll Sense of anarchy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so two things about that is, right now there's more realtors than there is houses to sell, and two, eighty percent of the deals done are done by twenty percent of the realtors, which really goes to show that majority of the realtors out there one don't know what they're doing, don't close deals, and the people who are making a lot of money are making a lot of money because they're doing most of those deals. And so it's it's competitive, but once you get to the point where you have your your book of business or your your database of clients, and you can consistently get referrals, that's when you can really have fun with it. Um, and I think that was another mindset shift for me was when I first got started. Like I was saying, was I got to take anything and everything I can to make money. I gotta I gotta make ends meet, keep this roof over my head, and so any client I get, I gotta I gotta keep. And I was so focused on the money. They, after a little while, I, it took the fun out of it. Like I just like I would be helping these people that couldn't buy a house, and like I should be more excited about that, feel a little bit better about it. But I was more so like oh, I only made this much on it. I'm only going to be able to pay these bills, and I'm going to be strapped for the next month. But once I re- stopped working for the money and started working to help people, the money followed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really big on like getting out of the competition because a lot of people that you're competing with are those people that like aren't looking out for your long-term goals. They just want to get you into a house because that's how it's structured. They, they, they don't, we don't make money unless we close on the deal. Like we, we could show you a million houses and you don't want to buy any of them. And I just spent thousands of dollars showing you those houses and didn't make anything off of it. So that's, that's why there's a lot of competition because people are very pushy. Like, Oh, we got to make this deal happen. We got to make this deal happen and kind of willing to do whatever they can to make that deal happen. But it's not until you meet a good realtor who knows what they're doing that, you're going to get repeat business from that client or actually be able to help have them help you in that process. How often do you come around other realtors that are just worried about the commission? All the time. Like there's, 
So the Keller Williams that I used to work at, a lot of people there, like I'd say it's more like 90, 10, 10% of those realtors make most of the money and 90% are just, just got their license and are like, why am I on a, why am I on a 70, 70, 30 split? Like, I'm not going to make anything off of that and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But you're at that split because you haven't closed anything. Yeah. So I mean, what makes you think that you're, you deserve, it's kind of sad. And an example is one of the things that I do on my listings is I will actually put, um, so, I mean, one, it's also helps me make more money, but two, it saves my seller some money is I won't, I won't factor in the buyer agent's commission into the deal. I'll put there that the buyer agent's going to make a dollar on the deal because I want them to call me. Realtors love to fucking call me out on my mistakes. Oh, I, I, I'm looking at your listing right now and I saw that you only put a dollar in there. And I'm like, nope, I actually wanted you to put that in there. I actually wanted to put that in there so that you would give me a call because we, you can negotiate from the buyer to pay the buyer's agent. So that'll save my clients money. But with the market going the way it's going, my uh, active listing that I have an open house for tomorrow, I put that the $1 and I haven't gotten a single phone call while I had it as a dollar. And that's because people, Agents are looking at that dollar and like, oh, I'm not going to make anything on it. I'm going to move on to the next. And it's just really sad to say because it's a good house. They, their clients are missing out on a great deal all because their agent isn't going to make enough, doesn't think they're going to make enough money. So you're money kind of using it. like a reverse psychology template. Yeah, yeah. Strategy, yeah. Because the thing is too is they can make more money than I would pay them because as, as the seller, you're paying both the buying agent and the selling agent. But it really should be the buyer's agent negotiates their own fee from the buyer. So whenever I get those phone calls, I'll teach those agents how to negotiate their own fee so that they can get paid as much as they can negotiate from it. So they might go from making $6,000 on what I was offering them to now being able to get $10,000 because they got that from their client. And so it's just like, they're really screwing themselves at the end of the day, but also their clients. So it's, it's pretty shitty to see, but that's just how it is in business. Like if you're, if, not, if I'm not getting paid, I'm going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. What's your biggest deal that you close? The, the 1.5. No? Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to work my, so typically what I'll do is just as I was telling you, I'll have the buyer's agents pay their own commission. Well, that, I was on the buy side. So the selling agent was only offering me 2%. I was like, I at least want to make 3.5% on this. So I talked to my client and I said, if I can save you X amount on the deal, will you agree to uh, paying me my extra one and a half percent deficiency, which I will try to negotiate from the seller as additional. So what I did is I was actually able to get my 2%, but have the seller agree to give me another one and a half percent as long as, as buyer closing costs. And all I did was increase my buyer's purchase price by that one and a half percent. And then they gave me that as closing costs, which my buyer was okay with because we came in with a cash offer. So I was able to save them one and a half percent. So we still came in at yeah. asking and didn't charge my client any extra money, but I got, I got extra money on top of it. So yeah, my 2% turned into a three and a half percent, which I'm not, I still have to use a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I put as much cause after that one deal fell through and I was like, basically borrowed the money. I was like, you know what, from here on out, I'm putting the money in a savings account and I'm only going to take out what I need to pay for my real estate business and my bills. Like that's, I'm going to keep it separate. So I don't even look at it anymore. Like I was saying, I've tried to get away from the point of I'm working for the money. I'm working to help people. And it's also helped me save money because if I don't know, I mean, I have a general idea of how much is in there, 
but I don't want to know exactly because then I'm like always oh, suckered into I could go buy a new car. Like I don't need I don't need all that. So was that like the biggest rush you got? How did you feel after that? Oh my god, I felt on top of the fucking world. <laughs> so um just to get back into it, so that was a Zillow lead. So even though I I helped them through and through. I would not have gotten that lead or met that person if it wasn't for Zillow. So Zillow takes 50%, which does, which does suck. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's a deal that I would have so never so had yeah. if, if it wasn't for them. So my, and this is the part that upset me though, the $52,000 commission turned into $26,000. And so I was like looking at it and I was like, I was still on top of the world though. It was yeah. the biggest commission yeah. I had ever made. <laughs> Yeah, and I was I was stoked, but I literally I went to Vegas after that. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna have a good time, oh, yeah. enjoy it. Bet it all in black. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I was I felt like Rain Man though, because I just kept playing blackjack all night and I paid for the whole trip. I felt I felt so good. <laughs> I was uh Is that occurred last year or this year? Last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah. It was uh just before no, actually, no, no, no. It was like so December, it was just before, yeah, no, it was right after December. So it was like January, I can't remember what it was. We closed like the end of January. So then I went to Vegas like right after that. <laughs> but yeah, I I felt really good about that one because when I first got uh, started in the business, I got a million dollar lead and just did nothing with it because I was so scared. Like oh. I... I didn't give them the service that I probably could have. I didn't like put myself in. I just didn't have the confidence in myself yet. Like, oh, it's a million dollars. Like he's entrusting me with a with a huge asset and what could be the biggest purchase of his life. Like so much pressure. And I kind of just let him fall by the wayside. And I look back on that. I'm like, that's a wasted opportunity. But like, I felt so good after closing that deal because I just felt like, man, I'm I can talk to anybody now. Like, yeah. I'm like, you got a $2 million property? Let's make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? Five years, I see myself mm. at least with my own team. Um, I don't know, either at the same company or my own brokerage, because now I'm at my two-year mark. I can get my broker's license. So I'm toying with the idea of opening up my own brokerage. But How does that work? So... Once you have your real estate salesperson's license for two years, you can start taking more classes to become a broker, but it's a lot more liability. So if I make a mistake, then, and I'm a broker, like it's, I can get sued a lot easier because they're like, you're a broker and you fuck this up. Like, how does that even add up? And as I haven't looked into the broker side of things too, too much, but I have been toying with the idea because if I start my own team, I'd be keeping whatever they make or a portion of what they make and plus whatever sales that I make. So like right now, my split with the company for my own sphere of influence lead is 80-20. So my brokerage, no matter what they do, they make, or what I do, they make 20% of every sale that I do. So if, if I'm the one running it, then I'm, for newer agents, if I'm teaching them, coaching them, get, getting them set up on Zillow, Realtor.com, Movado.com, so that they're consistently receiving leads, I could probably set them up on a 60-40 or even a 50-50 split and then I get to keep 50% of every deal that they do. So if I can train them to replicate what I'm doing, then I can kind of turn a business out, turn it into a business. Um, so in five years, I'd say I see myself with at least a team, either within the brokerage or my own brokerage, and at least 
at least three investment properties under my belt. You can start your own brokerage inside a brokerage? No, I, I meant like either, oh, okay, either gotcha. my own team within the brokerage. So I'd just be like a team leader oh, agent, gotcha. okay. and then they would work under me and I'd get, I'd get a very small portion of what they make, yeah. but I could give them my leads and just collect a referral on oh, them. Okay. So then I just tell them like, Hey, I got this lead. Like I'll, I'll be there for the first appointment. You guys can all kind of introduce you guys. You do your thing from there. And then I just want a 25% referral fee from there. So rather than being a broker, I could do it that way. It's a lot less liability on myself. And it's a lot easier to get started, but opening up my own brokerage, it becomes my own brand, my own business, and I'm really in charge of everything. And so I think it'd be a little bit easier to scale that way, um, just because it's all up to me at that point. But if I have my own team within the company that I'm at now, I at least don't have to worry about getting them set up on Zillow, Realtor.com, Movado, and all that, because the company will do that for them. Um, but as far as the investments, I, I want to say three three rental units in five years, but I think that I could do more. I think once I get that first one and like really, because now that I see how the transactions work, how to get the renters in there and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it'd be too hard once I get that first one and have the money to actually do it. I think it's just about getting that first property and making it happen. So what's the ceiling? The ceiling? Yeah, there is no ceiling. No ceiling? <laughs> right. in, the limit. Yeah. Yes, sir. In, uh, in real estate, your income is not capped. You can you make as much money as houses you can sell or on the investing side of things, as many houses you can flip or as many houses you can buy and rent out. So that's that's a big reason why I got into it is like, I don't want to, when I was working those 12 to 13 hour days or 12 to 14, whatever, I realized that like, I can only make as much money as, as many hours as I can work. And so I want my money to work for me. That way when I'm going to sleep, maybe it's only pennies on the dollar but at least it's making me money while i'm not doing anything and then if i can just grow that all the more better nice. yeah. all right man so aside from the real estate <laughs> what music do you listen to music um i'm kind of all over the place i'm one of those guys that's like oh, i listen to everything but <laughs> yeah, yeah. um i don't know i listen to i've been listening to a lot of house music recently right. yeah just What's house music like EDM, like, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Just I don't know. Like I work, I'll, I'm working ninety percent of the time, so I just I don't know. I'm in the zone. Like if I'm here talking in my ears while I'm trying to work, it kind of throws me off a yeah. little bit. So if I just have the house music, like the beat going, kind of just keeps me in the mood. But if I'm not listening to that, I'll listen to like either old rock or. I don't know. I'm all over the place, man. Like my Pandora playlist will go from Avenged Sevenfold to Tupac to <laughs> Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, right under that, that. It's, it's Hank Williams. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm all over the place. Do you still read? Um, I've been to a couple recently, but not not like I used to. Yeah. It used to be like weekend benders. Like I'm going for it yeah. all weekend. Yeah, really. Now it's like me and my girl will go get a couple drinks, enjoy the music, and then we'll usually leave early. Like when I when I first started dating her. And she wanted to go to a rave. I was kind of like, man, is she the type to like, are we going to get loose? Like, do I need to, does that yeah. side need to come back out tonight? Or are we going to be even more reserved? Yeah, yeah. And then we get there and she was definitely, she was like right in the middle ground that I like. Like, yes, we're having a good time, but we're not like getting obliterated towards where we got to Uber home yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, it was funny because she had never been to a rave, but she really wanted to go. So I took her in. Um, she didn't even know what music she liked. And I was like, I like hard style, but not. I've never had anybody to go listen to it with because it's very. Do you guys know what hard style is? Yeah, kind of. 
so it's it's very just like I can't explain it other than like doing the sound he's like da 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 like a fast paced type of yeah you know Martin Garrix Martin Garrix it sounds familiar yeah he does like remixes with like real big songs and like go decent to it oh really yeah it's still yeah I think I I think I've heard him before yeah but I love the wax motive. Oh, wax! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dope too. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Wax Motif live. I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of people live. People coming in June, I, I think. In June? Yeah, in, 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 in Ontario or LA. Oh, I'm trying to think what event or was it like a little like his a little concert? Thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, I want to know that. So, can you shuffle? No. Nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I still got to get some drinks in me to dance, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hold my own. I got my little two-step, but <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I'm not. I'm not really one to. I like. I like to people watch, and I'll. I mean, I'll still have fun. Like I'll still dance and have a good time, but I'm not like. I'm not gonna hop in the middle of the circle yeah. and start break dancing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> cool. But um, yeah, no. When we went to that rave though, and she was. Um, I was like introducing you to a bunch of different stuff, and I had no—I had never had anybody to go with me to the hard style sets because nobody wanted to sit there and like, because it is pretty, it gets pretty repetitive. But like when you're kind of in that heightened like party mode, you're like this is, and everybody is, it feels really fun for like about an hour. After that, I'm like, all right, let's go somewhere else for a yeah, little bit. Yeah. But we were passing by it. And she's like, what is this? And her eyes lit up, and I was like, do you want to go on my shoulders for a little bit? And she's yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, yes. I was like, I'm in love right now. She's the one. Yeah. <laughs> But that among, she's, like, I feel like relationships, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to start another topic, but I feel like relationships have a very big impact on who you are. And because when I was in a bad relationship, I was very lost. Like, I thought I knew who I was and what I wanted out of life. But as soon as I got out of that relationship, I felt even more lost. Like, I was just very codependent on that person. And it was just toxic. And then... And then I was kind of by myself for about a year, and that was when I really found myself, got into real estate, started doing things for myself, and felt good. Like, I got into rock climbing, had my own hobbies, like, really just kind of became my own person again. Like, I know that sounds stupid, but, like, yeah. it's kind of kind of true. You kind of rely on – if once you start relying on that person, you lose your individuality. Yeah. And I think that I really started to like this person because she had her own individuality, whereas my, my ex didn't. It was like – she was relying on me, which ended up making me relying on her. So this person, it was just like, oh, babe, I'm going to go do my own thing today. Like, I'm doing this today, blah, blah, blah. I'll text you when I can. And I'm like, you have plans? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't, and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to go out and party. It was like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go meet with this person, and we're going to go take photos at this beach and this and that. Like, I don't know, just having her own goals and motives yeah. and things like that and she's going to college and she just graduated from Mount Sac. She's going to Cal Poly, the number one, she's going for architecture, which Cal Poly has the number one architecture program right now too. And it's like, yes, yes. like, dude, yes. Goals, yeah, goals. I love you, man. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what else to make it better. You check all my boxes for yeah. me, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I just started to feel a lot, a lot better about myself and happier and just, like she's seen me at my word, the worst of the worst and the best of the best. And she's stuck there through it all. And I feel like even though I'm not dependent on the way she feels about me or she's not dependent on me, like, oh, it's always hanging out and stuff like that. We're not codependent. It's felt good to know that like we're grinding together. We're both we're moving. Together yeah, too. we're growing together. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Are you guys kind of on the same page? I feel the same exact thing, bro. The the relationship before mine, same thing, toxic, kind of codependent on each other and uh, getting out of it. Lost, I wouldn't say lost, but finding yourself again, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's it's a crazy thing. And, like, you lose friends from it. Bro. Like, it's crazy. You lose friendships, and it's, it makes zero sense, but you, you just got to keep pushing, bro. Like, there's nothing you can – you can't just dwell on that, you know? Yeah. But then you find your new person, and it's, like, a whole nother side of relationships, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a whole nother side that you didn't even know there was. Yeah. Because we're just so young, so – so immature, but then you find real love, hopefully, and <laughs> it's just crazy, bro. It's amazing. You know? I, I feel like you can really appreciate the next person, like, all that much more when you just got, not just got out of it, because I don't ever recommend anybody to hop right back into another relationship, but I feel like you can truly appreciate that person more once you've realized what you truly want out of a relationship once you've been through a shitty one and you're like i don't want that or this or that and then you find somebody who does all the things you want without you even asking or brings the best out in you that's when like i feel like you really start to grow and like i i was definitely on my own grind with without my girlfriend and moving forward but i feel like having somebody that truly cared about what i was talking about because like I appreciate you guys listening to me, but like as you guys can tell, I like to drone on yeah. <laughs> and I'll talk and talk and talk. And some people will just like in one ear, out the other. They don't care. Like, and then I'll bring it up again, like, oh, you know that deal I was telling you about? I just closed and this and that. And they're like, huh, what deal? And like with, with this girl, it was like I got that attention and she was like in yeah, she was interested in it and like wanted to know more to ask questions about it, not just like, okay, well, here's my day and just start yeah. talking yeah. to me. It's like yeah. it's something real. Yeah. And I feel like when you find that. It's like something like I, I know there's Andrew Tate and all those fuckers out there right now. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I, there's some shit that he says. And I'm like, okay, he's got a point. You like it? No, you I, I think it, I think it, there's a fine line, and he crosses. He's like this. He's just a zigzag yeah, yeah, over that yeah, line. Yeah. Like he's there's some shit that he says that I can agree with. As far as masculinity goes, I feel like our generation has lost a lot of it, and our generation has been conditioned to be soft. Soft, yeah. yeah. But outside of that, the way he talks about women and stuff like that, I think that it pushes it to a fine line, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some women that like to be treated that way, and they should be. Go for it. If you feel that way and you like those types of men, yeah. fucking go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, he's right. He's if right. you're but if you are looking for somebody that you plan on spending the rest of your life with, and you are not that high value male, then yeah. <laughs> then fucking grow with that person. Who cares if you show unconditional love to them? doesn't matter if you want to spend money on them or enjoy your time with them or give them your all. It, is, it doesn't have to be so much like, well, I'm a high-value male. She should respect me. Hop on the fucking top G train or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Did you guys see he actually got banned from, like, Facebook and shit today? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. What happened? I don't, I don't even know what happened. I just uh, saw some, like, headline. It was, like, Andrew Tate got – it was a uh, Facebook and maybe Instagram. So not TikTok, bro. TikTok. Dude, and you know what's weird is I haven't even seen, like, he doesn't have a profile on TikTok, but, like, everybody has his clips on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys know why that is? Yeah, yeah. it's because his his business, the Hustlers University, whatever, they pay the $50 to get in into whatever, mm-hmm. and then they're making money off of him pretty much just by posting videos of him and getting him more out there. Yeah. And... You invested or what? No. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, I was the first one to subscribe. Like, it's just, I just seen it, and that's why he explained it to me. 
on some of his videos. So I just kind of listened and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then uh, I see other people like this one kid. <laughs> this one kid and he was like, um, he didn't. I thought he didn't really have anything going for him, but he was just like kind of lazy and he was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do. It, I'm gonna try it. And then he made a video. Um, like a month later, he was like, yeah, I feel kind of like shitty because I made my first $10,000 in a month. And he was like, it's kind of stupid, but like it works. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, he's one of the influencers, like I just said, there's some things that are good. Some, most of it's fucking garbage. Yeah. It's just hype and it gets posted and gets views yeah. and that's why you see him everywhere. But I think if, if kids nowadays are looking for that masculine idol, Go look at fucking bodybuilders. Go look at some fucking real fucking people. Like, yes, he's a kickboxer, a world renowned, but he doesn't carry himself like that. Leave it to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Better and better mindsets, better achievements. Like, yeah, sure, he's made a lot of money, but I'm pretty sure he has a deal with Bugatti about promoting Bugatti, and that's why he has Bugatti. He makes makes a lot of money, so he probably could buy one himself. He's got a Bugatti watch and shit like that, but I don't know. It just seems like all social media bullshit to me. Like go go follow Andy Frisella. Oh, he's Andy. a fucking tank, he dude. He's, he, is that a power power uh, bodybuilder? So he's a little bit. So he owns a supplement company, but he's just a man. Like fucking, just makes a shit ton of money. Like a no excuses kind of guy. Like yeah. I don't give give a fuck what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, he's and he drops f bombs. Like he's just really yeah. real. And like some of the stuff he says. The podcast is called. Real yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like he's not like the biggest dude or like, but he is very masculine. Like, I don't know. The point he's I'm like getting loud. at, yeah. What about Liver King? Liver King, yeah. the guy that eats only meat? Yeah, yeah I like that guy too. <laughs> yeah. he's, it, dude, his skin's red because yeah. he eats so yeah. much raw meat. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. seen him take like an ice bath though? No. It's literally just ice, it's not water. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's a tub full of ice. You'll hop in there. And just sit in it and talk normal. He's not even shivering or anything. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen that he just sleeps on a wooden plank. Um, <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, that's what I see. Straight up caveman. Hey, are you guys? Are you guys talking guys want to title? We good? Or you guys? What's going on, man? I want to hop in. Are we good? We gotta cut that out. Why? It's hard. Why are you being a hater? <laughs> what do we say? Well, we're talking about Liver King. Oh, the people say he's worded out. Who is he? You don't know who Liver King is? I've never ever seen him ever. Just, just, just look him up while you're looking up where liver is. Yeah. He only eats raw liver. Well, he eats other meats bone too. Marrow, yeah. you know, like bone marrow. But it's like all just protein. Yeah, it's like all raw meat. I love that. I seen someone. He went onto like his little. He was a YouTuber, but he went to his house, and um, he was there for two days or whatever, and that's all, like, he wanted to train like him, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he had him doing these crazy-ass, like, fucking workouts and shit, like, um, like, um, like these sit-ups, but you're you're pretty much not on the floor, you're hanging off a bench. Oh, okay. And, um, like, all your weight is just on your, your whole body, trying to lift yourself up 400 times, <laughs> and then running however long, and then go back and do another, do another time, and... For two days and shit, he was like, "Yeah, I can't do that shit anymore. Shit is yeah. ridiculous." That's crazy. Bro. Are you any guys training or anything right now, or just, just working out? That's about it. Buddy. I've been I've been trying to get back on it. I so December I got COVID. 
Oh, I was looking at him because I keep asking him to go to the fucking gym and he's like, Okay, well, hold on. Why, when the question is asked, why didn't she say anything? Because I was, oh, he was talking, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pay for your membership. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say in, the, in December, and I'm not, you guys can see, I'm a little skinny. Um, but December, I got COVID and like I was always on the kick, like, oh, it's just COVID. I'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> like, my, my immune system will handle it. Dude, I was. Bro. I was sick for like yeah. a month, dude. Like, yeah. which is crazy. Like, so the first two weeks, I was like, or the first week, I was like, ah, I'm, this is COVID. I'm probably fine. Like, I lost my taste and stuff, but I was okay. Second week, dude, my girlfriend thought I was dying. She was like, <laughs> she, was in, she was in the room taking care of me. And it was actually, at, um, I said December, but it was actually my birthday. It fell on my birthday in November. Uh, and um, so it's funny because everybody's like out partying, like behind my house yeah. like, with my brother because we're huh. twins. And so everybody's like, happy birthday. And they just stop by and open the door. Happy birthday. Like, not trying to get COVID. And, um, but yeah, I, I ended up, so I weighed, I weighed 150 at that time, which I had just been in work mode. I wasn't going to the gym as much as I should have been. So I dropped 15 pounds from being that sick. And after that, like, I couldn't really eat anymore. Like, I just never had an appetite or anything. But I, I remember getting up one day and I was looking at myself in the mirror. And like, I'm still skinny, but I was like, I lost 15 pounds and now I look like an Ethiopian child. <laughs> I'm tiny. And so I was just on the kick. Like I'm going to go to the gym every day. I started drinking protein shakes. And I think that was the most, com- that, that month and a half was the most committed I had been to the gym since like football season. <laughs> like I had always been so off and on and like I was doing two days, like eating like yeah. no other. My breakfast, like my breakfast was like a buffet. It was, I had six eggs. I had two mm. cups of rice. I had bacon, like and toast. Like I'm making into a sandwich, and then I would make a tuna sandwich, and then I had my protein shake and a glass of milk. That was all for and breakfast. All for breakfast. Yeah. And I was just eating and eating and eating. See, that's how you gain weight, buddy. I wanted to throw. I wanted to. Th- I'm not gonna lie. I, I would almost throw up. But like, I was like looking. Yeah, yeah. I looked myself in the mirror and like, you can still see my ribs, but I just look sucked up. Like I look like I was doing crack every day. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want to look like this. And my girlfriend, I know it's not appealing to my girlfriend. Like, she was always like, you look fine. Like, bitch, don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know I look like a crackhead you picked up off the street. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would, uh, I just was grinding. And that month and a half, I put back on the 15 pounds plus, or I put on total 20 pounds in a month and a half, which most of it, like, is uh, muscle memory and just, like, I should have already had that weight, so it's easier to gain back. Yeah. But I felt so good after that. And, like, I've, I've fallen off a little bit. But I still I still try to go as much as I can. But like once I got back to where I was, I really yeah. was like I'm not gonna force myself to eat that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I recently just got back on the grind, and I wanna I wanna try and push to like one. I, I keep saying one sixty five, but I feel like that won't be enough weight like for what I want to look like. I feel like I want to push to maybe one seventy five, okay. like maybe one eighty. But I feel like one eighty, I'm like for my height, that might look a little like no neck. <laughs> but. Yeah, how about how about you? Dude, I've been trying to overeat, but like you said, I've been throwing up. I threw up like twice. I'm like, fuck, this isn't for me. I can't do it. So I've been like, I've been drinking like maybe like 1,400 calorie protein shakes and two meals a day, mm-hmm. give me about like 3,200, 3,300 calories. A meal, you mean, uh, they used to be cyclicals at least. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, maybe four meals. I know. Yeah. I, I I can't overeat, dude. I, I don't have like an appetite, so it's just it's hard. And sometimes I feel like throwing up. You gotta walk too. I do. I It'll, do. Go down. No, I do. You actually threw up. Yeah, I threw up twice. Twice. Over overeating. 
Digging my protein shake. I threw up in the protein shake, bro. I like, <laughs> oh, dude, I've had that out. Oh, oh no, it was bad, dude. How, how much do you weigh right now? If you don't uh, ask, like 135, 138. So uh, yeah. we're pretty, we were pretty, pretty close there. Yeah, then yeah. I would say, just I mean, like I'm no bodybuilding expert or anything, but this works for me. It may work for you. I would say, when you first start, don't eat like a shit ton like I was. Eat. Uh, take like maybe a half that protein shake and split that up throughout the day, but eat a good breakfast, well-balanced, go for a little walk, go for a little run, jog, whatever. And then before your lunch, have a little snack. And I'd bump up those calories too. Yeah. So I'd bump, so you said about 3,200? Like, thir- like 32, yeah. 34. For the day? Yeah, I would try to push to like 4,000 for now yeah. and see how you feel and then slowly go up from there. But um, yeah, I would try to, so breakfast, snack, Lunch, snack, dinner, protein shake. And for those snacks, what would you recommend? Like, I'll, for me, like for my snacks, I would be like rice krispie treats and shit like that. Bro, they give you a pump. Yeah. They help oh your pump, God. so it's yeah. not it's not too far. Yeah, but yeah, but I would say like protein bar or something. Bro. Like, no, I do I do have protein bars. But I, I don't really eat snacks like that though. Like if I had snacks, it was before the gym, after the gym. Can't wear too. I would have, yeah, I would have that in the morning. That's for the yeah. yeah, I like just peanut butter. Peanut butter? Yep. I would do a peanut butter sandwich and then another single piece of bread and like with peanut butter and fold it, eat that, and then eat the peanut <laughs> butter sandwich. Like if I couldn't get calories, that's those are my calories. Yeah, and no, no more cardio though. Like if you're no. if you're really trying to you're trying to gain no cardio. No. Hey, winter, winter's cardio. coming, we're bulky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need the butter. Uh, I used to be on egg whites every morning too. Oh, that's good too. I used to be on egg whites, but for now, I would say dirty bulk if you have to, dude. Just that's what I'm doing just now. eat as much as you can. But for those snacks, like, so just as an example, I would meal prep. Other, I wouldn't meal prep my breakfast though, because breakfast is pretty easy in the morning. Just make eggs, oat, or like whatever. I'd switch it up, but like usually eggs, bacon, toast, uh, rice, and tuna. Um, but you can meal prep whatever. So uh, one that I actually really liked um, that I would switch it up with seasonings and stuff is actually spaghetti and chicken, which sounds weird. But like if you make it right, it's actually pretty bomb. Mm-hmm. So you do spaghetti, chicken, potatoes, and broccoli, and that's your lunch. But for your snack before lunch, do like a big sandwich, but just like a balanced little snack. So you get like a granola bar, an orange, thing of yogurt, and maybe a small sandwich. And then mm-hmm. like you can do instead of the granola bar, you could do a small protein uh, bar or whatever you want. But and I would say try to really count your calories too. Mm-hmm. Like I was on a very big like like I said I was a really pushing for that month and a half. And I was just like counting my calories. Like I have my calculator all, all the time. Like yeah. if I didn't know what I was eating, I'm looking it up. What's the nutrition value on this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, Everybody I wouldn't do I wouldn't do the like macros and like, oh, I need to eat this many grams of protein per body weight and stuff like oh, that. I would just, like, bro, yeah. yeah, I would just focus on this amount of calories. I weighed one I, at the time. I weighed one thirty-five, so I'm trying to get at least two hundred grams of protein. That's that's all I would count. So this if this has protein in it, how much protein? All right, write that down. How much calories? Write that down. I'm good. If I'm walking around, well, I broke my Apple Watch, but they, it's they're just not waterproof, by the way. <laughs> water resistant. Yeah, water resistant. I didn't know that. I went surfing and that was. Just, uh, I came back out the water. Was like, yeah, and. Um, uh, but yeah, I used to keep track of my calories, like burned on my watch, and I would just make sure that I'm still intaking the amount of calories. Because after the gym too, you're gonna burn off a lot of those calories. 
So you're using that as energy, but your body still needs to receive more nutrients to build. If you're using it, mm -hmm. it's been used. And then yeah. you're just going to take a shit. But <laughs> yeah. uh, like me, like my junior year, I was 175. Then going before the season, football, my senior year, I was 205. So I gained like 30 pounds. I remember that shit. <laughs> like 30 pounds, bro. It's been a whole year. 30 pounds, bro. I was bulking. Like, during pause, I was eat, bro. I remember. Period, bro. I would just eat, nah, bro. bro. This guy's a fucking monster. See, I was bulking, dude. It was crazy. Then, during football, bro, I was bloated, bro. But <laughs> at the end, I burned it off, though, so it was yeah. good. And then, out of work also, after our practice. So then, I, I was swimming around sweating, too. Then, during work, bro, I would have a burger every break. A quarter pounder every break, bro. God <laughs> damn. Break, dude. I was... A quarter pounder. Yeah. yeah hey, man. don't underestimate those employee meals, man. Yeah, <laughs> free, bro. At Panda Express, so senior year of high school when I started working at Panda Express, I think the only reason that I finally gained weight uh, for football yeah. was because I started working at Panda because I'd show up early, eat a meal. I'd go on my break, eat a meal. I'd be closing, eat another meal, and it's all rice and chicken and yeah, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I swear to God, I think that's the only reason I gained that year because yeah. I was just eating so much at Panda Express. Mm -hmm. But I also used to cook my own food there too, so I was oh, like, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, like um, after football, I was like 205 then. I, I kind of stopped. I fell off, so then I dropped to like 195. But now I bowled back up, so I'm, now I'm like at 216. 216? Yeah. Yeah, you're a solid 216. You don't look 216. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. But my goal is to hit on bench like three plates before I put down again. Okay. Yeah. So. Are you going to do like a true cut or are you just going to kind of like lean out a little bit? Just lean out. Yeah. I feel that. That's my goal. I'm, I'm just trying to put some weight on my chest, dude. I look like a 12-year-old. Like I got, <laughs> I got nothing up here, man. When I was going to the gym, like, with that month, like, I would always be, like, I'd always have a pump, so I felt a little bit about, better yeah. about myself, but, like, recently, like I said, I haven't been going too much. Like, I just got back on the grind, and, like, like my girlfriend's, like, filling me up the other day. She's like, where'd they go? Um, <laughs> Your titties are gone. I'm like, don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm like, now I gotta go back, like, right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Bro, legit just push-ups, though. It's crazy. Push -ups. Yeah. I, I see for titties, like, I probably do, like, those, those flies. But I'm saying if you're not going to the gym. Oh, yeah. I'd prioritize, prioritize those dumbbell training. Though. All the dumbbell yeah. training, incline, yeah. incline, uh, yeah. flies with the dumbbells, that works too, chest press, everything, everything's good with the dumbbells. I would prioritize that. I wouldn't do um, like bench because those are more, more like, uh, what do you call it, power lifter, like workouts. Mm. So you can. Those There's a name for it. Compound yeah, lifts. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But with the demos, you you just you're really focusing on on the chest for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would. I think for me, the issue was that I was like always told like, oh, if you want to build chest, hit bench. And like my bench was okay. Like it, yeah. for my body weight, I felt like it was okay. But I never like felt like I was really pushing. Like I never felt like I got a good contraction out of my actual chest. Yeah. And that's what I would do forever. And it wasn't until. Like I was talking to this old head at the gym, and he was, he was. I was asking him because he fucking had like some double D's on him. <laughs> I was like, hey man, I was like, I'm trying to be like you. I was like, what do I got to do? 
And he's like, you eating enough? And I was like, lately, yes. I was, um, I was like, but I'm just trying to figure out what to train because I'm not getting good contraction. He actually told me the cables too. Yeah. yeah. So the like leaning forward and like the, the cable flies, but yeah. also like the, the under flies. And yeah. then he even had this weird one that was kind of like this, like you you kind of flex back yeah. as you're doing it to, to target like the upper, but I could never get it to like activate my actual chest, like upper chest. It's and like it hurts. Yeah, it, it hurt my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really. You gotta really it. fix your elbows on that, on that one. You gotta, you gotta really fix your elbows on that one. You can't really put too much stress, uh, stress on your shoulders. Oh, okay. For the, the incline chest on the mm-hmm. cables. Um, but yeah, I, I like the cables too. You gotta work in that resistance ring. I've never gone to the gym just to go to the gym. I've only ever done it just for like football. Right? Oh really? Come to the gym with me, huh? Come to the gym with me. Come on, man. Relax, bro. Not on the pod. You gotta start looking swole for the pod. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Just walking shirtless, like, oh my bad. We're gonna take this out. <laughs> We're recording right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. The ladies will love the intro. Man. <laughs> you have hobbies? Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, I, I got into rock climbing and that one was, I didn't think I would like it to be honest, but my buddy Kai, um, he played football with us too for a little bit, um, but he, uh, he went climbing one day, one day and like had been going ever since and he got me into it. Um, I do like bouldering, so you're not strapped into the harness or anything. You just like scale the rock and then if you free fall, climb it? yeah, free climb it. That's very um, but there's there's mats like a like have you ever been oh, like a good, tumbling good. so it's like an indoor one yeah yeah, indoor yeah. One. I've I've climbed I've bouldered actual stuff I can show you guys pictures too let's see um, but you were strapped up no oh, but there was water under me so I was like if I fall I'm going <laughs> to the water I'll be right. when you hit water when he hit water he does that but he, he, like, he just oh, goes okay. like straight up to like highest mountains he just climbs it um I don't know his name though Alex Honnold Arnold maybe something like he does some crazy ass mountains there yeah he climbed what was it half dome and something else in yosemite which is like it take people will camp on the rock like they'll set up a, um, a little sleeping bag hanging on the rock and then finish the climb the next day this, this dude did it in a couple hours free solo just yeah. climbing yeah, like going crazy with it one wrong step you're done yeah. <laughs> but yeah i um i got into to rock climbing and um during covid i took a i started surfing again quite a bit I'm still not like amazing. I can't really ride a, a short board for shit, but take me out on a long board or a hybrid and I'm, I'm having a good time. <laughs> you ever see sharks? Oh yeah. I've been really, yeah. I got scared one time. It was a dolphin and I didn't know. Cause it was like, they're scary too. Well, yeah. Cause yeah, they'll, they'll pull, they think they're playing with you. They'll pull you under. <laughs> and they're really just smart, drown. So. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah. They'll, they'll pull you under. Yeah. They think that yeah. like you can, they can play with you yeah. and they'll drag you under and drown you unintentionally. Um, but my brother and I would go on dawn patrol, but we'd get there like even before the sun rose. Mm-hmm. And one time we were like, you want to just go out right now? And like the waves look good. And I was like, how can you even see? <laughs> it's yeah. black out here. So I was already sketched out because like I, I, we were serving at Doheny, which the waves don't get too crazy, but there's always fish and, and stuff like hanging around there. And I, I, I actually, the most recent time I went, a uh, fucking crab grabbed me right in between my big toe. <laughs> and my yeah. And it was freaking cut me up. Yeah. It was just me. Crab. You think it was? Oh, guy? did I? Did I? I didn't mean to do that. Oh. Was actual, <laughs> I, was, I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to do the air quotation. <laughs> um, I'm. Oh no, I meant like like a crab, like he's pinching. Oh, like. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> right. But he. Uh, but anyways, um, so we're going out. It was like pitch black. 
I'm paddling out and I felt something touch my foot and I was like, fuck no. And I like put my feet up <laughs> in the air and I'm like paddling out. My brother's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> and I couldn't really, you couldn't really, it was so dark out and there's no lights that you couldn't really see the waves. You kind of had to just feel as they would start to build up behind you. And they were small enough towards where like, even if one crashed on you, you'd be fine. But we were just trying to get warmed up. And I was paddling, I was paddling and I see a fin and it's just black. And I was like, oh hell no. And I just started paddling in, like trying to get away from it. And then it comes up and it does the little air thing, like out of uh, the blowhole or whatever it is. And it, I was like, oh, she's just a fucking dolphin. I was like, I was scared for no reason. <laughs> but I did see a shark um, off the coast of, is it San Clemente? I can't remember. It was either San Clemente or it might have been like when we were far out by Delhini. No, it's not too no? too far. No, it's um maybe like thirty minutes from Huntington, okay. uh, or maybe forty minutes from Huntington. But um, yeah, we were we were going out there, and Kai was with me, and he's Hawaiian and just thinks that sharks are like <laughs> yeah. the dogs of the ocean. <laughs> so I, I see the fin, and this this time it was clearly like a shark fin, and I was like, "Fuck no, I'm out!" And I start paddling away, and I see Kai out there just like trying to touch its fin, like. Turns out it was a, it was a, not a sand shark, but a, a small one. So he's like, you're scared for no reason. But I was like, I'm not taking any chances. Yeah. Like, I'm getting away. Um, but yeah, no, I've had, I've had some funny stories surfing. There was one time, the first time I ever took my brother out, he was on my buddy Kai's board and the wave took him and he fell. Wave was so strong that it ripped the leech. And so the board's like, going back towards shore but we didn't know he pops up out of the water in front of me and i'm like where's your board at he's like i don't know i was like well you better fucking find it it's not yours <laughs> and so i turn around and i like kind of pop up on the board a little bit and i can see it over the the last wave and i turn around and there's a wave right there and i was like i think i can catch it and i start going i was like i'll probably be able to ride and like grab drop jump off grab the board and this is my favorite memory surfing i take the wave and i'm coasting down the line and I grabbed the board and I pick it up and I'm like surfing with it still. And I'm going all the way down the line, rode it all the way into shore, or at least until there was rocks and I jumped That's off. Cool. But I was like, my brother's looking at me like, what the hell? Cause he had never seen me surf before. So he didn't know how good oh. I was. And like, I still was not good, but it made me look like I was a beast. <laughs> this lady was like, that was awesome. How long have you been surfing? I was like, it's like my third day. <laughs> but I was, after that I was hooked. I felt it was just like clean. Like I went all the way down the line. I didn't get a barrel or anything, but I just like kind of like put my hand in the in the wave a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt I was I'm always wanted to try, but I, I don't like the ocean. I don't ever see crabs at the beach. <laughs> oh, the crab? Yeah, it's it, well, I don't I didn't see it, but I could definitely feel him pinch. Yeah, like because he did that, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I like, kicked at my foot. <laughs> And I felt something. I felt something so hard. hard. So I assume I assume it was a crab. And I had a, a mark, like something like pinched right there on the top and, and bottom. Yeah. So like I, it got me. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did that too. No, it got me like right in between. So it like went in and it grabbed me right there. And I had like I still have. I might have a little cut right here, but oh, I had a little mark right here and like it was right recent, here. recent. But yeah, like a uh, couple, maybe three weeks ago. Oh, dang. yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I was gonna show you guys the the pictures of me. But yeah, I want to try. You know those like how water parks have the surfing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. try that first. Is that the same kind of? Or I don't want to fucking um, talk. 
fuck you. <laughs> so they, you can bring a surfboard to use, but I think that I haven't used, I haven't been on one of those myself, but I think most of them have like a, a skin board or skin, skin board. Skin board yeah. yeah. Um, to use. It seems hard to like, just so fast and you know, and you slip. <laughs> Nigga, what? Yeah, so, real wave or the uh, water park? The water, the water park one. Well, those people just walk in. Have you ever seen them? Like the, yeah. the teachers or whatever? I think I tried it out once, but. You tried I, it? I just flipped it, my freaking just went totally. <laughs> and it took me. It's hard because it feels. I've only, I, I've never done it myself, but I, I watched uh, my buddy do it, and he was telling me, he's like, it's hard because it feels like you should lean back or you're going to fall. But you kind of want to lean a little forward yeah. into it, like you're. Have you guys ever dropped in into like a quarter pipe landing yeah. at skate park? Not on a skateboard. Oh, no. so it feels like that. Yeah, but you don't want to like slam the nose down. Right. You kind of just want to like coast, kind of coast into it. Yeah, like that is really close to surfing on a shortboard because of how fast it is. Um, but if you're trying to do, I would say you'd have better luck just going to Doheny and getting a longboard, dude. It's so chill. You could stand up most of the way out there. Talking about crabs and sharks and shit. <laughs> those, those, those are off days. Those are crazy days. <laughs> we, we feeling all right? We, yeah. we want to wrap it up. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate, appreciate it. On, you guys bro. listen to me drone on for a while. Yeah, bro. Good knowledge, everything, bro. Well, yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'll come back anytime you guys want, sure. man. Appreciate you, bro. Anytime, dude. Out there, dude, for sure. Yeah, you can bring me, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, we gotta do it again for sure too. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I'm but down. for the audience, um, we did have two fans on, so fuck you guys. Uh, we needed to breathe. Dude, I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. I'm sweating right here. Oh yeah. What's but, your Instagram, uh, by the way? Oh yeah, you guys can find me at. Let me pull it up to make sure. Yeah, your. It's Devin underscore Riley underscore. Your TikTok, IG, Facebook. <laughs> My TikTok, I'll definitely be tagging you and everything. So, uh, my TikTok is the same. It's Devin underscore Riley underscore. Cool, cool. cool. Yeah, good. yeah, and you guys will see some of my some of my TikToks on there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, everybody stay dialed and uh, have a good one.